Hello, my friends. Welcome to Rainbow Parenting. I am your host, Linz Amer, and today is May 30th, 2023, and that means that Rainbow Parenting, your guide to raising queer kids and their allies, is officially out in the world. I am so, so excited to celebrate the launch of the book with you. This has been, oh my gosh, so many years in the making, and I am so excited to share today's episode with you because I'm going to give you a little sneak peek of the book. And I'm going to talk to my literary agent, Claire Draper from the Bent Agency. And we're going to give you a behind the scenes look at the journey to (laughs) making the Rainbow Parenting book happen. And it's uh, quite a journey. Before we get there, just some really quick business for you. Obviously, go to your local bookstore and get your own copy of Rainbow Parenting if you haven't pre-ordered it yet. And if it's not there in your bookstore for some reason, make sure that you request it or request it from your local library. I am also going on a cross-country tour for all of June for all of Pride Month. I'm kicking off the book birthday with an event at Print Bookshop in Portland, Maine. So if you are in Portland, Maine, please come out and celebrate. I'll be in conversation with author Chelsea Conaboy, and I think it's going to be a really wonderful conversation, and I'll sign your book for you. Then I'm headed off to Portland, Oregon, Los Angeles, Chicago, the Bay Area in San Francisco, Boston, and finishing up at the end of the month in New York City. I'll be doing author Q&As and events for grownups about the book, but I'm also going to be doing family performances. So if you want to bring your kiddos, uh, I'm going to be doing lots of those in, I think, pretty much all of those cities. I would love to meet you in person and connect and hang out and have a wonderful time celebrating the book launch and pride. All right. And the last thing is that we're going to be doing a mailbag episode of the podcast for the first time. So I would love to answer your questions, any question about the book, about queer kids stuff, about, uh, you know, something going on in your life that you want advice on, all of the above. All you have to do is call in to 207 207- Five three five nine eight three nine, and leave a voicemail and maybe we'll put it on the show. Make sure you get those in by June 9th to make sure that we can include them in the episode. All right, as promised, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek of the book right here on the podcast. The dedication page reads, for every queer and trans kid, I hope this helps. And that's true, because I, I really do hope it helps. <laughs> All right, this is the very first section. Spread queer joy. A mission statement. You know that saying, if you give a person a fish, you feed them for a day. If you teach a person to fish, you feed them for a lifetime. The gender binary of the original proverb aside, in this book, we're going to learn how to fish together. No matter whether you're a parent, an educator, a librarian, a creator, or someone who picked this book off the shelf and flipped to the first page because the title sounded cool. Maybe you're queer or trans or non-binary, but you were raised in the same cis heteronormative hellscape as the rest of us and don't know how to go about queer and gender affirming parenting. Maybe your favorite cousin is non-binary and you want your kids to understand their identity, but don't know how to start the conversation. Or maybe you're an educator who wants support in bringing queer and gender-affirming lessons into your classroom. Regardless of your individual context for coming to this book, you are here because you care about the littlest folks among us 
and are interested in creating a queer and gender-affirming environment around them where they can thrive. I call that spreading queer joy. But what does that mean exactly? Do you have to run around in a unicorn onesie singing about pride and rainbows? I mean, that's what I do every Wednesday afternoon, but it's definitely not a requirement. Spreading queer joy, for me, is a mission, a philosophy, a methodology, a pedagogy, a mode of being, a North Star, a thesis statement, a mantra. To spread is to act. It is something that can be done. It is active and motivated and driven and progressing forward with relentless momentum and exponential in its expansion. It is queer, different, unique, other, divergent, diverse, and stunningly beautiful. This queerness is intersectional. It is ubiquitous, and by that I mean that queerness is everywhere. It knows no bounds. Queerness exists across race, ethnicity, culture, geography, even species. Queer for me and my life has been the center, the rule, not the exception. And joy is unbridled happiness, kindness, rainbows, unicorns, glitter, and the best of our collective wildest imaginations. So much is held in these three words, spread queer joy. They are the blanket that comforts, the shield that protects, the glitter that glimmers, and the balm that heals. I will guide you, yes, you, dear reader and dear listener of the podcast, in spreading queer joy to everyone from your newborn to your great-great-grandparents. This work is familial and ancestral. It is the work that will bring about the world that ought to be. Spreading queer joy is the work of utopia building. And to succeed, we must all be builders. Or, to continue the metaphor, fisher folk. If you teach someone to spread queer joy, they'll keep spreading it farther. All right, that's the uh, little kind of uh, prelude section of the book. And if you happen to like my reading, maybe you would like the audiobook, which you can get via Audible. All right, let's get to my conversation with Claire, getting behind the scenes of the journey of Rainbow Parenting. All right. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the pod, Claire. Hello. Hi. Happy to be here. Yeah. Guess what today is? What is today? Today is book birthday. <gasps> today is book birthday. Rainbow Parenting is out in the world today. Isn't that just like the wildest thing? It's. It, it feels like it has been a long time coming but it also like like we just got this party started but yeah it's been a it's been a while uh um, yeah it's been a hot sec um so for listeners um claire tell everybody who you are and why you're here <laughs> yeah so i'm claire draper and i'm a literary agent at the bent agency so what that means is i have a bunch of clients who are writers and illustrators who make books and I represent them and they're sort of all of their stuff and I sell their books to publishers and you know all of the stuff that goes along with that um so sometimes I'm helping shape a book and other times it comes to me fairly finished and I'm just finding the right home for it 
And there's also lots of other bits and bobs that are much less interesting and much more technical. But essentially, I'm, you know, I am here to make stuff happen and go smoothly and make sure there's an advocate, you know, in in my client's corner, in my author's corner, um, when we're sort of in the room with publishers. Heck yeah. Is there like a theme to your list of authors? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm most most of my list is like pretty queer. I have a lot of children's books, but I also have a lot of like I I love s- stories about love um and hope and joy. Um so lots of graphic novels and young adult books, picture books, um some nonfiction, um, some memoir and um but mostly like queer fun stuff i like to feel joy so (laughs) (laughs) yes don't we all um yeah and before we dive into all of that can you just tell us some how you identify in your pronouns yeah my pronouns are they them i am a trans non-binary person um and i you know am a person in my late 20s how else do i identify plant parent (laughs) Cat parents, yes. Um, they're menaces to society, um, and we're trying to keep them from ending up in kitty jail. Oh, um, no. no, just <laughs> metaphorically, though. No. Um, but other than that, I um am a trans person who works in publishing and likes to see that queer stories, um, stories from authors of color, um, so on and so forth, are like as represented as they can be in publishing. Um, and all of my, like, if you're ever, if there's ever something I say, you want to look me up, um, all of my stuff is on my website at draper-claire.com and all of my social, social media is all linked there and all that. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll get to plugging at the end. Uh, before, and then one last thing before we get into it. Uh, I like to come to these conversations as like full whole humans who aren't just like professionals in our careers. So can you just like, tell us how you're doing today? Yeah. Um, I mean, today's a little wild. I did just get back from uh vacation. And so like our house is like a mess. We've got like laundry we're doing oh, yeah. and um, you know, suitcases half unpacked, half still packed. Um, you know, I'm like think things are good, but also I'm like ready for some um summer sun and yeah. to like I am also super mad that my um, hold from the library for the next, for the recently released Percy Jackson book mm. has not come in. And I've been like 15th in line for like two days no. now. <laughs> and I check, I check like every like eight hours or so, wow. which is probably not healthy. But <laughs> I have the physical book, but my partner and I want to listen to it as an mm. audiobook. And so we're furious to say the least. Um, so it's killing us. It's killing us slowly. And so now I'm having to consume other audiobooks in the meantime mm-hmm. to distract myself, which is not working. But yeah. Beautiful. As a full human, doing great, doing fantastic. Good. Um, loving 
loving life and, you know, the small bits and bobs that come with it. Yeah. Excellent. Beautiful. Um, I, I do want to say like one thing is that you, I didn't sign with you. I, I signed with you before you identified as non-binary and yeah. you came out to me like, I think in like an email being like, Hey, I, I oh, yeah. out now. and it's really funny because you're not the only person on my rep team where that's happened. <laughs> so, actually, even funnier is I have a spreadsheet, right, of all of my clients. Mm -hmm. And I do have to go in and change pronouns sometimes for Amazing. people. And I'd like to say it's only happened like once or twice. It's happened so many times. And I also have to tell people like, oh, I'm keeping track of my client's name, their pseudonym, their nicknames, their partner's names, their like business entity, their pronouns, their cats, their dogs, their children, their like, and people are like, wait, how do you keep track of that? I'm like, I don't, it's in a spreadsheet. <laughs> I'm like, I, everyone, everyone is, I do, I do keep track of it, but also because I have like genuine relationships with everyone, but yeah. I do like go in and when someone says, oh, I'm identifying differently, I'm like, time to go put that in the spreadsheet <laughs> like you you get you get your little um like select of pronouns changed oh my um God. I love it's it. color-coded and every actually I don't think the pronouns are color-coded but every like yeah it's a full full-on spiel oh my god I love that yeah true like admin tips from the, the one the only the Claire Draper <laughs> beautiful oh my gosh okay let's talk book um yeah uh, I think let's like rewind all the way back sure. to what 2017, right? That feels that feels right. That feels like the time it was. Though I I'm not the person to consult on timing, but yeah, I want to say I met with an editor for coffee, and they said I'm working with this really cool person on a picture book. Um, and they need representation here. Look them up. I was like, great, cool, thanks. And I did. And what's funny is after, like, I still haven't sold anything to that editor mm -hmm. after all of this time. Mm -hmm. But th that editor gave me you as a client. And yeah. so I'm like, I'm not mad that it was reverse engineered. But yeah, no, same. Because I was working with that editor and like the manuscript we were working, I like really wanted to sell a picture book kind of like, and this was, I mean, 2017, that was what, year two of Queer Kid stuff. Um, actually, funny enough, uh, the day we're recording, so this is coming out on May 30th when the, the day that the book comes out into the world, but we're recording this on May 10th, which is actually the Queer Kid stuff birthday. So Queer Kid stuff has been around <laughs> for seven years today. So I met you year two into making queer kid stuff. And yeah, and I really wanted to write a picture book. And I was working on this manuscript this editor and like wasn't really coming together. And I was just like, you know what? I want to have my ducks in a row. Like I should probably get like a literary agent. If like this goes somewhere, I want to do this. Let's do it. She gave me three names. Two of them passed. And the other one was you. <laughs> and like the, with the phone, I just remember the phone call we had. I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is this is a duh. Yeah. I remember being told about queer kid stuff and then like going home and watching a bunch of the YouTube videos and like crying in just, you know, crying in my living room like a normal, you know, person in their 20s um, being like, 
this this like kind of this is so magical mm. and thinking about you know like younger queer me and how I could have used that could have needed it and stuff like that um and at the time you know like gay marriage had only been legal for so long yeah um and was still like the contentious thing of the moment mm-hmm. um and so it was like I was like I'm diving in I'm diving into this um and it was it was like it did make sense to like meet meet with you and talk with you and then being like oh yeah that this this makes sense we got this yeah um and we kind of fuddled around on picture books. We did. Fuddle is the correct word. Most people think that because they're so short, they're so easy. They're just, which is kind it's of so the exact hard. opposite. You have so few words to tell a story and capture a reader. And it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, rather you can't make mistakes in a picture book Mm-mm. text. Whereas you can in a 300 page book. like. 300 page book if you make a typo like people are going to notice and they might write something about it but they're really not going to care yeah whereas like a picture book every word is you know fighting for its life yeah um and then some i also think that there yeah there are just there are like a couple of different like structures of picture book that are really just like super ingrained and rigid and i think like most publishers don't buy those no. as, as as far as I can tell and like it's really hard to break out of that mold and to like do something unique especially because the format's so small and short yeah yeah and I think the the other thing is is you with a picture book text there's no usually when you're submitting it you're just submitting the words mm-hmm. sometimes you're submitting a art sample to go with it but most of the time it's just the text so an editor is having to do a certain amount of imagination Mm -hmm. and you know sometimes your imagination just doesn't want to show up to work that day and so (laughs) sometimes that means that a picture book you might have like potentially wanted to work on is just not the same Mm -hmm. or you know there's just one thing one small line or one word that sort of throws you out of the text mm. and it's so much harder to jump back in it when there are only 300 400 words yeah um so like and it's just an easier it's almost easier to give a pass in that sense but also even beyond that trying to figure out what is the right way to tell certain stories um in a picture book is is hard yeah um, and we were trying to figure out okay how do you how do you talk about pronouns to kids and stuff like that? And luckily now there are lots of picture books like that. Yeah. Um, in the, like, I mean, so glad there are like there, you can go choose a variety of picture books to talk about pronouns and gender and sexual orientation, but yeah. that just wasn't the case. Like, seven years ago it really was eight years ago even honestly five years ago i think it's really boomed in Mm -hmm. the last like couple of years and like now my like picture book stack is like pretty large and like i keep getting like arcs sent to me and i'm like i (laughs) i can't handle all these picture books (laughs) yeah and i mean i have a whole slew of them even on my list and um trying to separate them out and distinguish them from each other good in like is one of the good challenges but Mm -hmm. also um 
it's at the time when we were trying to like figure out what that tonally what that book was tonally going to be for you yeah i uh, we were we were definitely kind of shooting shooting in the dark a little bit but then hemming and hawing i think i must have written like 10 or 12 manuscripts at at least um and then eventually you know we settled kind of in a space of i i don't remember the whole timing you're gonna know this better than me but we decided to do a nonfiction book for parents and guardians teachers kind of like anyone with you know, around kids, which is, I think, just about every person on the planet. Yes. Um, And then, you know, and thus Rainbow Parenting was born. But then we also um, ended up doing another picture book that did finally, did find a home. And it was a work in progress. Yeah, yeah, Um, it was. It was, certainly. Um, But yeah, so all of that to say, the TLDR of all that is that it started with picture books and then we kind of like, it was around the TED Talk because... which was summer 2019. Um, So I did the TED Talk and like felt something about that that was like really resonating for people. And it was, I mean, talking to adults about this stuff really like wasn't at that point my wheelhouse as much. Like everything, like, I mean, my background, I've talked about this before on the podcast, my, my background's in storytelling for kids and like theater for kids. So I was never really honing a voice like for adults around this stuff you're like i i don't know how to talk to adults i am not an adult yeah <laughs> like, i mean that's how me? i am i'm like i'm not a grown-up i mean i pay bills but i'm not a grown-up <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. that's how i felt and then i did the ted talk and i was like oh i'm like kind of good at this like i i can talk to grown-ups and it's okay it's basically the same as talking to kids but i'm just like explaining it from like a different context basically and the ted talk went very very well and i was like and and like the thing because i was in i did the ted talk as part of a cohort right so it was like me and like a bunch of other people who were like working at the ted offices like doing this residency programming program and like developing our talks all at the same time and a lot of these people either like had books or were like working with a literary agent and i was like oh i already have one of those and <laughs> and uh like, You're like some- check done yeah exactly and uh i remember like someone who else who had done the residency who i was friends with like was just coming out with a memoir and i was like "Hmm, maybe i can turn this talk into a book and then we just kind of like started going down the path of like okay what does like nonfiction book writing look like and we started developing a proposal from there and it took a really long time to get that proposal together i mean like lockdown and pandemic aside which like really put some bumps in the road for everyone and just like slowed down the whole process but like i i think when i first approached it i was just i was literally just turning the ted talk into a proposal which uh spoiler alert is not how books work so (laughs) (laughs) well and and proposals are even very different functionally from a book Mm -hmm. it's it's a little bit of a structure but you're also sort of it's it's also kind of a marketing pitch as well um because you're trying to sell it and as the same at the same time as developing it Mm -hmm. um and i think the other tricky part was memoir and other kinds of nonfiction can be structured so many different ways yeah 
and trying to hone a structure in a way that like makes sense to walk someone through this is hard. How like queer theory 101, how do you walk an adult through that? Yeah. Um, especially because people have so many different knowledge bases and things like that, but and are approaching it from different angles. But where do you kind of where do you start? Um yeah. is is I think one of the one, was one of the harder things. And then, you know, once you got the proposal down though, we even edited the proposal in oh the gosh, process yeah. of uh, acquiring because the editor um who acquired had a like had some brilliant ideas about mm-hmm. like changing the structure up. Yeah. Um and and it was brilliant. Um yeah, it was it really was, well done. It really made more sense. I think that when we first were doing the original proposal, it had a lot more like media criticism in it, which I think is a different book that I'm going to work on in the future <laughs> that I still yeah. want to write. Um, but like that's it. Like that was different than the parent than a parenting book. And it's tough because. I think what's like also hard about this book is that like it's pitched as a parenting book, but it's not really a parenting book. No, it's not this, really a parenting book. This yeah. I think I think what's coming up in this conversation is like the marketing of it all, and then like the actual creative of it, of it all, because like yeah. the marketing around all of this that to the publishers, but also to like people who are going to read the book is like, okay, this is a parenting book. These are the people who should read it. This is the general interest audience that we're going for. These are kind of like the general topics we're talking about. But like, actually, it's like kind of a queer theory book, but just like the academic language is just like totally stripped out and like made super, super accessible. And I think like, I mean, getting into like the writing of it, I mean, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but we'll come back. Don't worry. Um, but like getting into the writing of it all, I think I was like trying to hone this voice of like talking to adults about this stuff at the same time as like writing my first book. And like this book was extremely difficult to write. I will <laughs> I will say that. There's a lot of different reasons for that. But but let's back up a little bit back into the proposal cuz it changed structure a lot of times. It yeah. changed structure from like the TED Talk kind of expansion version of it to like pulling apart the like media criticism side of it that's like really not in the book anymore, maybe like a smidge. Um and then like the editor who acquired the book turning it into like more of like a structural like parenting book kind of like within that genre and then like after the first and so we had to redo the proposal in order to like actually get it sold (laughs) and then after my first draft the structure completely shifted again and so now we end up with the kind of like the iteration of the book that's being published where it's structured by age. So it goes from this like pretty big first section that's like a bit of a, I'm going to be honest, a bit of a slog to read through um, because it's got some like real like important, deep, tough stuff in it that like is so worth it once you get to kind of like the meat and potatoes of it all which is like here's what you do in infancy here's what you do in like toddlerhood here's what you do in like the pre-k years here's what you do in like elementary and beyond and it was 
we came to that structure after like a lot of fiddling and a lot of experimenting. And I don't think it would work any other way at this point, to be honest. I think sometimes you do have to experiment a lot with creating those kinds. Like creating books is not a one-to-one what works for one person works for another, or even what works for one book works for another. Um, Because originally when there was more media criticism in the book, it made more sense to have it structured differently. Or when there was more like, like larger personal elements and Mm -hmm. larger um, like, like the, the, we went through so many different structures, I think in part just because um finding out how to make it digestible and workable yeah is different depending on what you're actually talking about yep um and this instance going by age you know does does make a tremendous amount of sense you're it like it made so much more sense once i like moved everything around because that first draft everything was sectioned out by topic so that it was like a big old chapter on gender and then there was like each different age range kind of like throughout that and it just like reading it it felt like whiplash with every chapter and it just like didn't make sense well because also if you have a three-year-old you're like i'm not ready to deal with the five-year-old stuff yet like and like good to read it but also i'm not there yet Mm -hmm. yeah so like the the part of like the accessibility and like digestibleness of it all right is like okay how am I like actually physically reading this book and how am I like intaking this information in a way that makes sense that's not just about tone and style which is kind of like a separate thing like that's what I'm talking about with this like voice I kind of honed and like figured out of like okay how do I take this like Mr. Rogers queer kid stuff persona and like put it into a book for grown-ups and I think I think I was successful. <laughs> You're we'll like, see. well, we'll see when people. Well, to be fair, I did give my mom an advanced reader copy. She read it cover to cover. She's wow. like, I'm pre-ordering this for everyone I know. Ugh. Yada, yada, yada. Thank, thank goodness for mothers of people working in publishing, truly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I. Aside from the fact that my parents have had their own kind of coming mm-hmm. le- learning process and stuff like that. And I I did essentially what is Rainbow Parent, the Rainbow Parenting book. But I had a while back made a PowerPoint mm-hmm. for my parents mm-hmm. and like presented it to them. I yeah. was like, here is Queer Theory 101. This is why this stuff is important. Mm-hmm. And not so much that they they, they're not um not they that they weren't capable or brilliant or bright or that they didn't love me at all mm-hmm. it, it was like i was like you guys you guys love me a tremendous amount but the fact is when we're in rooms and people are saying xyz thing that's a little off or a little um just not great or i want you to understand more about me i want you to mm-hmm. be equipped to like have not like heavy hitting like i'm not asking you to start reading judith butler but like you know i i do want you to at least have some sort of like primer on these things um because at the time rainbow parenting didn't exist so um and now that like i now that it's going to exist for people um Mm -hmm. one of my hopes is that it quickly becomes outdated that's what i you know it's really funny that you say that (laughs) it's really funny i 
I really want it to be super useful and it it quickly becomes well duh that's my that's my severe hope for it and i know that's a horrible thing for an agent to say no like <laughs> no i'm gonna tell you why that's so funny because again today the day we're recording may 10th is the seventh birthday of queer kid stuff and that is exactly what i said in 2016 when i started queer kid stuff i hope one day this series is 100% irrelevant and people don't have to look at it anymore. And lo and behold, we're here in 2023 and the series First of all, I ended the series in 2019. I have not been actively producing or really been touching the chain. I've been touching it a little bit more because I, I'm doing I'm doing a weekly book reading series on there now. So if anybody wants to do a little story time over the Queer Kids Stuff YouTube channel, head on over there. Teddy and I read books now. It's really cute. Um but anyways, 2023 it has a bigger audience than it even did when I started it and when it blew up in the first place. Like YouTube channels that don't get touched for years usually dwindle and die. Like, am I right? Like, yeah, I mean, much, much like a lot of things. Like, yeah, exactly. if, you're, if you're not maintaining it, especially on the Internet, mm -hmm. like stuff, the phrasing stops being relevant mm -hmm. and things like that. But that kind of just wasn't the case here. It wasn't the case here. Truly, truly evergreen content. And like, yeah, has only grown its audience and found its audience in the years since I essentially stopped making it. And like, again, 2016 was like, I hope this series is outdated. And so that uh, I don't know. I'm seven years in now, and it it doesn't seem like it's gonna stop growing anytime soon. So I don't know. I I don't know if what that says about rainbow parenting, but <laughs> I well, I also think that like when when we talked about this book and what it was going to be, you mm -hmm. know, we wanted it to be a resource for people. Yeah, you know, because how many how many times I was interacting with friends, family, you know, you stranger twice removed and i'm interacting with a person who says i have a teenager who says they use they them pronouns but i don't know what to do with that mm -hmm. and i'm like well one ask them because they'll tell you what they want yeah i've never i've never met a teenager or a five-year-old or an eight-year-old or a three-year-old who has never who is who has said eh, i'm not so sure most of the time they're 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 pretty sure about what they want. And if they're not, they'll let you know later when they are. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, there's sort of the, the conversation around rainbow parenting that we, I think, wanted to tackle. We, you, I, no, I'm we. here on the side. <laughs> no, 100% no. we. <laughs> well, give you yourself credit. <laughs> no, no, no. Not that I didn't give myself credit. But, you know, I didn't sit down and slog through writing 60,000 plus words. Uh, um, yeah. or it's, un it's, it. under, I, it's under 60,000, just <laughs> FYI, oh, everyone. Me, me. <laughs> but you wrote enough words and had to like expand and contract it enough times. I'm sure you exceeded that. Um, it is under 60,000 words. But this is all to say <laughs> that, you know, I, I, I liked the idea of this book so much because as much as the internet, there's lots you can find on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, it's not forever. Mm. Like I was reading a nonfiction book the other day about, you know, trying to make your house zero waste. And the author says, check my website for all of these things, except their website's down. Yeah. 
I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I did actually want to go find these like handful of things, but that doesn't exist anymore. But the book still does. Mm-hmm. Like books are a much longer standing resource than people think of them being. Well, people books have internet- existed for thousands for a long of years. Time. Yeah. And and people That's literally you know, what always, recorded history is. <laughs> yes. And people think, oh, the internet's forever, but in a lot of ways it's just not. If no. websites aren't maintained, then the kind of information on them disappears. And so what I liked about this book in particular was that it was going to point older generations who just don't have the awareness or time or resources yeah. to a specific place. Because, yeah, heck, neo-pronouns is not something everyone over 40 knows about. Yeah. But they all want it. Every, every you know, person over 40 who said, you know, I wish there was a different option besides they, they, them. Because I feel like I'm, I, it would be easier. And I'm like, well, not only is there one, there are dozens. <laughs> and they're like, what? I'm like, yes, you've just invented something. That has already existed. Welcome to being queer. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But I liked that there was going to be a resource for people who just didn't have a resource. Mm -hmm. Because that's really all it boils down to is people need information. They need like. And that's that's it. Because like, yes, are there going to be people who are like, I don't want to understand my kid better or my niece or nephew better sure but there are all sorts of other people who are like i'm just lost Mm -hmm. i just need a map yeah need a map and i'll i'll find my way to iowa Thank you to the .gay domain for sponsoring this episode have you ever wanted an online identity that accurately reflects who you are Well, look no further because .gay is here. The new .gay domain extension sponsors today's episode, and we are so excited because they are offering free .gay URLs for our listeners. The .gay domain is committed to providing a safer internet for LGBTQ plus communities by banning and taking down hateful sites. They also donate 20% of revenue, not just profit, of new domain registrations to LGBTQ plus organizations. So not only can you get an online identity that represents you, but you can also contribute to great causes. Since launching in 2020, over 18,000 individuals, organizations, and businesses have registered a .gay domain name. But wait, there's more. Head over to www.rainbowparenting.gay and get a free .gay domain name of your choice for your own website or brand, courtesy of their registrar partner, Porkbun, for one whole year. Now, isn't that something? Again, that's www.rainbowparenting.gay for a whole free year of the domain name of your choice. It's time to stand up for LGBTQ plus communities. Show your support with a .gay domain name and help change and create a more inclusive and safer internet. I know we definitely need that. .gay because .com is just not gay enough.
Today, we're talking about one of my new favorite queer and trans-owned small businesses, Queer Candle Co. They make small batch soy wax candles that are hand-poured with love. These candles are topped with a variety of botanicals, including pressed flowers, dried herbs, and zested aromatics. These candles are not just wonderful to smell, they are also beautiful to look at. Personally, I love a musky, smoky scent. So we got sent the teak and leather soy candle, and oh my goodness, it made our living room smell so good. <laughs> we also got one of their flame-free diffusers in the dark plum scent, and when I tell you that our bathroom smells so good now, like our guests are so impressed when they go into our guest bathroom. It smells so good. I really love that product and it's lasted for so, so long. And we'd never really tried a diffuser like that before. We've really been impressed with how long it's lasted and how good it smells and how potent it is. Because you know, some diffusers like aren't actually, don't actually get the scent into the air. This really, really does. Queer Candle Co. donates 10% of their monthly profits to the Sylvia Rivera Law Project. So you're not just supporting a queer and trans-owned small business. You're also supporting a really important nonprofit that works for trans and queer people as well. They sell DIY refill kits online, so any candle is endlessly refillable. I think that's so cool. You can use the code RAINBOW at checkout to get 10% off your first order on their website. You can find them at QueerCandleCo.com or on Insta and TikTok at QueerCandleCo. Happy sniffing! Yeah, and I think what's interesting about the book is that, like, yes, it 100% is a map. And, like, I also think, you know, in this, in like a conversation about neo pronouns, right? Like, I definitely talk about neo pronouns in the book, but like the thing that's like more important to me, and I think more important to the book than like listing out every possible neo pronoun and having this big chart and like this just like factual resource, like, the part about neo pronouns in the book really emphasizes like if you don't get it it doesn't matter this is this person's identity and like how they see themselves in the world and like that and like validating that is way more important than like understanding the like actual words themselves which you know i'm not letting you off the hook for that that is important but like you, you do need to listen to your kids yes but... you need to listen but like getting past the point of like this is silly this is stupid like that's what i'm trying to get people like over because that is like the conceptual like obstacle to being able to like actually absorb the factual information and like that is like I think the real work of the book and like again why it was really difficult to write because like I'm trying to and the book is trying to unpack why you reader aren't understanding this on your own and like why you are having trouble like following the path that does have like information like if you know where to look like you can search whatever on google right and like unfortunately but yeah so can... like access to the information itself is not the problem so like that's i think what i was trying to solve and like is like okay i have all of this information let's put it all in one place and like let's like build a comfy couch around it like let's make it like not only easy to understand but also like 
let's like take the path of least resistance of like, I'm going to hold your hand through this like, I don't know, like, like internal blockage you have that probably is like your internal biases, like rearing their heads. Maybe it's a little bit of your own trauma response. Maybe it's like a little bit of like all of this stuff that's like in our heads of like insecurity and, and lack of confidence and all the stuff that like, you know, I mean, the, the name of the game is white supremacy and patriarchy and all this stuff. And so I'm like, okay, how can we make you as comfortable as possible. So like the the metaphor that I've kind of been like working on about the book to like talk about it is that I think rainbow parenting is a little bit like learning how to swim. Like when you dip your toe in the water, it's cold, right? Like that's and like that's yeah. a little scary. And like I don't I, I don't like it that it's much. It's a big old ocean. It's a big, it's old, a big ocean. old ocean. <laughs> it's a big old ocean. That's terrifying. But like if I'm there to hold your hand, like okay, let's walk in together. Slowly you go up to your ankles, then your knees, then up to your hips and your waist. Ooh, wait. It's cold over there. It's cold on my belly. This is a hard part. All right, let's just like dunk under. Like let's get it over with. Ah, now it's nice. And then let's get farther down. And then like, lo and behold, we're in the deep end. And you had no idea that you were getting there along the way. So like, that's kind of like the journey I hope people take is that like, there's a reason why I have the section on how to talk to kids about HIV and AIDS as like the very last section of the book. Because I don't expect someone who has you know, decades of internalized transphobia and homophobia to be able to get there immediately. Like there's a lot you have to work through on yourself first to get to that point where you're not only like comfortable doing that and like explaining these topics to kids that are quote unquote taboo, but like that it also becomes easy for you to tackle that topic on your own and then bring it into other aspects and other topics in your life but also like in the world so yeah and I think the other like sort of like special part is that you know even if if your your kid is entering a space and a time in a world or the kid you're in your head as you're reading this book that 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 kid is going to be existing in a world that is very different from the one you grew up mm, in yeah. and have experienced. So as they're asking, you know, where do babies come from? That's a very different conversation for them mm-hmm. as a five-year-old whose, you know, best friend's mom is pregnant mm-hmm. than it is for you who's an adult who has been asked by your aunt every five five minutes in Christmas, when are you having kids? You know, mm-hmm. like it's the the kind of history of, you know, being a person yeah. is very different for someone who is just so new to the world and doesn't have context. Yeah. Um, and it can be so hard to talk about certain ideas without reminding yourself that, you know, it's important to give the kids information as either a parent or a guardian or a teacher or, you know, primary figure, it's important that you're giving the information. So they're not seeking it out from other places that either are not accurate or also uncomfortable, but also that, you know, questions, questions have follow-up questions. And it's important that like, they can continue to 
exist in that space with you mm-hmm. as they grow and learn. Yeah. Um, and it's important to like, not necessarily be prepared. You're not going off to war, but like, you know, come, come with snacks to the beach as you walk into the water, as you're wading up to your, to your hips in the cold ocean, make sure you actually like put on sunscreen before you go in. Like mm. there are lots of things you can do to prep yourself like in the swimming metaphor journey you've adapted that I've now taken way too far. <laughs> no, it's great. I love picking apart metaphors until they make zero sense. That's yeah. <laughs> that's why we make things. It's <laughs> great. Um, I feel like if I had picked up the book anymore, it would have fallen apart. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other the other kind of exciting thing, all the readers of this get to take it and run with it. Mm-hmm. Like you get to go interact with your the kids in your life and share information with them and explore all this stuff with them Mm -hmm. Um, as much as you're shepherding them into like being a queer ally or a queer person themselves, you get to like, you get to help each other in that process. And that's like, that's also a little like hard for people to remind themselves of that. Like you get to learn from them as much as they learn from you. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I also think that, like, it's what speaks to, like, the part of the book that's, like, timely, right? Of, like, you know, this thing, that, uh, this book that I wrote as, like, something evergreen, but, like, also every time I went back to a revision, there's a chapter in the beginning of the book where I talk about kind of, like, the state of LGBTQ plus youth. Um, spoiler alert, bleak. Um I had to continuously add new anti-trans and like anti-LGBTQ plus education like legislation every time I revised a new draft as I was like making the book. And like the book doesn't even have a half of it that's going on right now because I turned in my final draft a year ago and like things have even escalated since then. And I do almost wish we could like slip in a sticky note, like mm. like they do um for a play when like the understudy's going on. Like, here's who's going on tonight. I wish we could do that with the book. Here's 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 a one sheet it's that even gets inserted worse. at the beginning. <laughs> well, that's why we have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. And speaking to kind of like the timeliness of it all, I think that something that's been coming up the last few years also is, you know, we have these like hashtag protect trans kids, like all of these like, you know, protests that are going on in, in you know legislate uh, state legislatures across the country because all of this stuff is happening that's awful and hard and you know really bad <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think there's you know there's always the question of like what can I do how can I help and like for me it's reading this book and like bringing these like philosophies and practices just like in your day-to-day like relationships with young people and like i think that that's a thing that people don't get is that like any layman can can change things just like interpersonally in their day-to-day life and like i'm super curious about i mean okay you know, I, I hope we sell a lot of books. <laughs> and I hope that like, but I really do hope that like Rainbow Parenting can add to the conversation and really be used as a tool to help people just like understand what's going on and just like make small incremental changes in their day-to-day lives. And like, I think yeah. that's real like culture shifting, right? Like, Rome wasn't built in a day, and, like, neither is any of this. 
it can get so hard. You know, you turn on the news and it's another like yeah. the umpteenth awful thing that's happened in that 24 hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. And, but change is incremental. Like, you know, you mentioned HIV and AIDS earlier, and it's it's kind of it, it to talk if if you were to talk to someone during the AIDS crisis and say, I know it is hard. I know it is so hard and you are losing everyone you love. Yeah. Um, but there is going to be a pill that people can take to prevent this from years from now. Yeah. That that also there is going to be enough research and medicine to make it so that you can get you can be HIV positive, but if it becomes undetectable, you are then kind of like in the clear. Yeah. And like that's, you know, granted that's science, that's less culture, but also. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching, we watched The Last of Us while mm-hmm. we were on, like, la- last week. And n- no spoilers, but there's a moment when a white character touches a black character with blood-to-blood contact. Mm-hmm. Like, open wound-to-open wound contact, and it's intentional. And, you know, granted, there's a lot of other stuff going on in the episode, in these episodes, because it's a yeah. show about like Zombies. the apocalypse, <laughs> zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. But I was sitting there thinking, like, wait, that's kind of rev, like, like that would not have been something you could mm. have on a screen 20 years ago. Mm. Like, it, like, just, just. To think about, like, you mentioned the whole, like, your Mr. Rogers-esque persona. Like, there were moments in Mr. Rogers' career or in so many other actors' careers where they were a white person interacting with a black person. And because of the state of HIV or the state of race in this country, they were were told by producers or creators of the show not to do certain things. Mm -hmm. And I watched that moment on the last of us. And I thought that was a moment that wouldn't have been able to exist 15 years ago. Yeah. And granted cha- change is incremental. And there are still also like, we could get into the media criticism of all the other things wrong with that show. Oh yeah. But it was kind of this like super small moment that I'm sure very few other people would have connected that yeah. specific dot and the like whole scheme of things happening in the show. Yeah. But change, change does happen and like continuing to fight for it. Um, you know, it's, it's fighting for the, the sunrise you'll never see, mm. but that other people will um, like, and and getting getting to see and and embrace embracing like potential at the light of the end of the tunnel so yeah um and because there is light like how i i can't even count the number of colleagues and stuff that are like yeah my teenager's trans and i'm like wait wait your kid's out as a trans kid not only to you but in high school yeah high school yep not that old i remember I high school i had an iphone in high school <laughs> like th- we we didn't have a, like a lot of gay kids and i was at a pretty big fairly liberal california high school yeah yeah I and was, now you're yeah. telling you're telling me that there are trans kids in like nowhere high schools in in 
the United States? That sounds not not like reality. Right. I it's so interesting. I um I did like a talk at a high school once. It was it was virtual and so I like my chat was like available for people to um DM me basically um and ask questions and stuff. And I remember this like one kid like messaged me and was like, I wish I had queer kid stuff when I was little. And I'm just like, But you're you're all you're still a kid. You are little. <laughs> you are a little little ish. Everyone feels like they're late to the game, especially mm-hmm. in being trans or queer. They're yeah. like, wait, wait, but someone else, someone else had the, I want to say it's from a movie or something like that where, or something else, I don't know. But like both the 57 year old and the 11 year old both feel like they're late mm-hmm. to discovering this part about themselves. Yeah. And to starting the process of like becoming a becoming the person they want to be, mm. when the fact is like that's just being, that's just being human. <laughs> is yeah. there is no there is no late. You're doing it perfectly on time. That I wish I had queer kid stuff when I was a kid. You are a kid. You're, yeah. You're, but also I, the the wanting wanting things even better for younger mm-hmm. i think is like the best the best part about growing up sometimes is continuing to want and fight for better yeah and i think like i get this question like all the time of like how do i handle my like kid coming out to me right now like how do i how do i support them how do i like you know what if what do i do if my kid comes out and i'm just like i mean and i think like the whole essentially like crux of the book is it's not about being prepared for when your kid comes out. It's starting at infancy, literally where the book starts so that you don't have to support them when they quote unquote come out that like queerness and transness are a very real possibility for their life from the outset of their life. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is what I hope this essentially parenting philosophy, how to raise people, how to raise humans is like, okay, this is a potential for their life that's not just this like box understanding of like cisgender, heterosexual, like toxic masculinity, patriarchy, et cetera, et cetera. It's about this is how you should parent generally, not just how you should parent a queer or trans kid. And like, I think that that is the biggest shift that I hope people will be able to implement in their lives after reading this book of like, if you're asking that question of how do I deal with my kid coming out with to me right now, you're already a little late, but that's okay. That's not your fault, right? You didn't know. And that's okay it's, because we're it's all... It's timing. It's, yeah, like we're all in this heteronormative cis hellscape, right? <laughs> like we all, I grew up in it. You grew up in it. We have all grown up within it. There are, We're not going to stop growing up in it anytime exactly, soon. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But like the book is about disrupting that. And like no matter when you're coming to it, I like I say this in the beginning of the book, even if you have a four-year-old and you want to skip to like the four plus section don't read the whole book because it's not just about like okay in like without the rest of the context of this book i will be able to understand everything from this like section for four plus no 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 you need 
the full conceptual context. Because like, I think that like, I don't necessarily talk about this directly in the book. Say you approach this book with a four-year-old and wanting to implement this at like that stage in a child's life. That's great. But you can look back while you're reading the infancy section and be like, oh, was I doing that? Hmm, how could I have done that differently? How did like what I did do affect my kid and like how they've turned out now? A bit of that process can probably be a little bit painful for people. I think that it's important to feel that and like understand potential harm that you could have done unconsciously, right? Because of these like blinders that we all have on. And I think it's important to process and like heal that part of you. And I, I've talked about this a little bit. I think something that I've been realizing over the last couple of years, and this goes back to like you talking about like crying when you watched Queer Kids Up for the first time, is that like this somehow my work like helps heal people. And I say that as a person who is not fully healed by any means. My intention is never to like be a person who heals others. But like, it's just kind of something that happens as for me as a healing, creative. And healing like, is kind of people forget it's not linear. Mm-hmm. And it's not finished. If you've ever, you know, fallen off your bike, and completely wrecked your knee chances are you still have a little bit of scarring 30 years later Mm -hmm. like it might be pretty much gone but you you know your body still feels the effects of it yeah there and and i think the same thing is true of grief or other other kinds of emotions is it doesn't happen in one direction and it doesn't ever stop it like kind of ebbs and flows and comes back and forth people are completely comfort comfortable in their their gender and their presentation. And then other times you're just like, it's just a freaking off day. Today is just poop. You know, today I don't want to be in my body today. I just want to sleep and eat snacks and watch Bluey and other days, you know, you want to conquer the world. So Mm. the same is true of parenting and raising kids or, you know, existing with yourself and having a process for yourself. Like, okay, wait, All of these things that like maybe my parents did for me that I've now done for my kids for a certain period of time, just because that, that like I did that because it was uh, second nature or it was how I thought I was supposed to do it. You know, there's always time to course correct. Mm -hmm. I am for some reason, well, for a number of reasons on no contact um, TikTok, which for listeners who don't know, is about people who have gone no contact with a relative, family member, or parent, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And what's so interesting about that is that people forget that, one, it's not a decision that person ever wants to make to go with no contact, but it can always, it can 99% of the time be fixed by the person on the other end, that person just doesn't want to do it because they haven't accepted that responsibility. So at the end of the day, like, you know, this complete sidetrack is, is of mine is sort of kind of pointing out that like what rainbow parenting is getting at is that there is always time to course correct. Mm, There is always time to say, how can I do better, be better, improve change how can i you know 
be be around the young person in my life or old person and how can i treat them as like a full full being a full person with autonomy and feelings and joy and how can how can i treat them with like love and care and respect and understand them a bit better yeah um yeah i mean cuz that's really what rainbow parenting boils down to like sure yeah do you maybe need to know the definition of pansexual versus bisexual yeah but also you don't you also just need to like look at the person in front of you and see them see them as a person mm. and do your best to understand them as a person yes and i think yeah i think that that's very much like the overarching like message of the book of like these facts like yes here they are here's a way that they're presentable to you and also to young people but also like work through your stuff respect other people validate their experiences and their understanding of themselves approach kids in that way as well and i think yeah. like i think the the only other thing i wanted to talk about before we start wrapping up here is that i do get questions i have been getting questions from like queer and trans people um about the book and like whether it would be helpful and i do think queer and trans folks i wouldn't say are like the primary intended audience for this book but i do hope that like one the book is validating for like queer and trans people and like healing in a way of maybe reparenting yourself a little bit and also just like if you're a queer or trans parent who's like doing this like again we've never had a roadmap for this even though that's like how we identify maybe i can like validate you in like how you're approaching this with your kid maybe that will make you feel good <laughs> but, yeah but also like filling in the gaps a little bit of like maybe something you didn't think about or like an identity that you don't hold that you weren't sure how to explain and like get like communicate to your kid like that's part of it as well of okay how can I like help you fill in the gaps and like support you in like what you're already doing well and like how can you even level that up and then I also just think that like I'm really putting queer and trans people in like the ambassador mode for this book like you all know the people who need to read this <laughs> Like intimately. You, you've interacted with one of them today. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, I hope that this book takes so much emotional labor off of your plates. Like, that is like a big reason why I wrote it in the first place. And again, why I think it was very difficult to write is like, I think that this book takes on just like a lot of emotional labor that is so draining for so many queer and trans people and like is again like why yes we're kind of like marketing it as a parenting book but like this is like really a book for anyone who wants that like queer theory like not even 101 like it's queer pretty, theory, pretty queer theory zero <laughs> is yeah. I don't know we got to come up with something pithier than that. <laughs> it's a primer, and, mm -hmm. and and it's a primer that's that's simple enough to get you there, but um not and but also not so um so simple that it's missing the mark. And mm -hmm. I think the other thing is you know if you're asking queer queer trans people out there who are like, is this a book for me? I mean, yeah. The worst, the worst thing that happens is you start to skim the sections. You're like, I know this. Great. Cool. You know this. Move on to the next thing. And maybe it's going to be the fastest book you've ever read. Great. But then you know 
what's in it, but you also know who to give it to. You know to say, hey, my coworker should read this. Hey, mm-hmm. my 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 boss's sister should read this. Sorry, that's probably not a connection anyone has. I, but you know, you it's know, someone somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but my but you know, there there are people in your life who need this book. The next baby shower and, you're invited to. Yeah. The next the next person who says, you know, in your life, hey, we're we're trying to get pregnant. You get to say, oh, hey, this is one of the one of the books I think you should read right next to what to expect when you're expecting. Sure, mm-hmm. your kid may be the size of an avocado, but <laughs> here are all the other things to know. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, the thing the thing about this book is, you know, are you a queer trans person? Are there things you aren't going to need in this book? Absolutely. But I think there are also, you don't need it for you as much as you need it for everyone around you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's much more of a thing to push on everyone else than it is to take on your shoulders. Yeah. Um, yeah. You but, don't, ha- like, in in some ways, you don't have to fight the fight. Linz is doing it for you. That's the idea. And, I, and also, like, I've already done it. Like, I've... Yeah. I I have also Liz like, isn't actively getting in the ring anymore. A, at least not <laughs> in this way. <laughs> yeah. I I like I mean it's a tool that like I can use for myself too of like oh you're being transphobic and like and, and like you're causing obstacles for me in my career and like my work here read my book and undo all of your internalized biases so you can return to this conversation with me and return to the work that I want to make and you can actually help me from an informed place and stop with all the microaggressions <laughs> that's my hope is that it also like helps me clear a path in my career which uh hopefully will mean more cool art for all of you to consume <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh claire is there anything that we didn't touch on that you think is important for us to chat about rebook um i think for the book is you know for everyone out there who's wants to figure out how to um i i think not not just this book but books in general people kind of get swept up in all of the kind of crazy stuff happening in the world right now and in general. And they say, wait, you know, like with school shootings and bathroom bans and all sorts of the whole host of other things, people say, wait, why are book bans the most, like, why are we putting book bans even in the same realm as these things? And you're right. At the end of the day, like, I, I, I getting guns out of schools is way more important than books in a lot of ways, but look towards the book bans happening in your state, in your schools and things like that, because access to books and knowledge is so, so, especially in schools and libraries is so important for maintaining knowledge and access and growth, kind of the biggest thing that that keeps keeps people sort of from taking action is a lack of information as as you're sort of looking at the book bans happening in your schools in your state you know do make sure that you're having an active conversation with the people in your life about how important libraries are how important access to books are how important funding schools and libraries is because Books and knowledge are power, and though this book has a particular amount of knowledge, there are so many other books that, like, change people's lives in ways we don't know. So um, paying attention to the book bans is something I can't 
stress enough. What a lovely PSA to end this conversation with. Claire, where can people find you on the internet? I'm on pretty much every social media, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. It's all Draper underscore Claire on every platform. And also my website, draper-claire.com. And everything is co-linked. If you're in one place, you'll find me in another through, you know, the link in the bio and all that stuff. Draper, D-R-A-P-E-R, dash Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E. You can find me everywhere. You can also ask me questions. I, I do answer questions on TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that. So I like sharing the knowledge. I like spreading the knowledge. And that's you can find me in all those places. Beautiful. If any um, budding authors wanted to query you. How would they do that? Check out my website. It has my um, wish list, what I'm looking for, and the link to where you send a query. Yeah, check out all the other authors that Claire reps because there are some cool people who are um, some agent sibs of mine that I love. So, <laughs> Lots of fun stuff. If you have a kid in your life who needs a graphic novel that's queer or a picture book that's queer or a YA novel that's queer or a... Um, you know, memoir that's also queer. You know, I've got, I've, I've, I'm running the gamut. So definitely everything's on my website, but also, um, I love do, I do also give tons of recs. So you can find out through my website, my bookshop, um, dot org, um, page has all of my personal recommendations of books I love for different categories. Yeah, and Claire like is a person who knows books, so 100% would recommend your recommendations. Sweet. All right. Thanks for so much for hopping on the pod. This is great. Everybody buy Rainbow Parenting out now wherever books are sold. How cool is it to say that? It's a little insane. Oh, all right, friends. Bye. All right, that was my conversation with Claire Draper, my literary agent at the Bent Agency, who helped me come up with and sell and bring Rainbow Parenting into the world. I've got links to all of their things in the show notes, so check those out. Again, make sure you go out and grab your own copy of Rainbow Parenting, your guide to raising queer kids and their allies, wherever books are sold. The audiobook is also available, read by yours truly, over on Audible. Come check out my tour dates if you live in Portland, Maine, Portland, Oregon, Los Angeles, Chicago, San Francisco, Boston, or New York. And if you want to get early ad-free episodes of this podcast, you can become a friend of Teddy's over on our Patreon page, the Queer Kids Stuff Patreon. Make sure you also follow Queer Kids Stuff at Queer Kids Stuff on Instagram and TikTok. That's where we're most active. I'm reposting all of the Queer Kids Stuff videos on TikTok right now, and it is a blast. The comment section is super wholesome and lovely, so I really, really recommend you check that out. I'm also at Linz Amer, L-I-N-D-Z-A-M-E-R, on all of the social medias. All right, that's all I got. Talk soon. Rainbow Parenting is hosted and created by me, Linz Amer. It's produced in partnership with Multitude and is edited by Misha Stanton. The theme music is by Amanda Darchangelis and the logo artwork is by Abe Tenzia.